When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what is up? Welcome in a Thursday episode of GC Live. I am Wes Mitchell. You see him right there on the screen. He is Chris Clark. This show is, as always, presented by our good buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. If you're in the market for a new home, as we tell you every single day, give Clint a shout. We'll tell you a little bit more about Clint later on in the show, depending on his schedule. Uh, Nick Roush from uh, Kentucky Sports Radio will be joining us to give what we call uh, the Kentucky view of this game. Chris, uh, we've been, I, I would say, we're, we're fully in. We've dove into this matchup. I know you've watched uh, parts of several of their games. As the week has gone on, um, anything new that has caught your eye about this Kentucky bunch? Yeah, yesterday I, I had a, a couple a couple games worth of Kentucky between uh, really yesterday and this morning and wanted to – Kind of check out their two most recent games. I mean, in some ways, Wes, you you never know what version of a team you may get unless it's just a, an amazing, super consistent team. This Kentucky team, even though they're four and one, they've had some struggles this year. You know, even in the games they've won, and that includes uh, the Ole Miss game. Obviously, they lost twenty-two to nineteen on the road. Um, very competitive game really throughout. They had they were driving. They had a chance to win. They had more than one chance to win that one uh, in the fourth quarter and, and didn't get it done. And then the one before that at home in Lexington against NIU ended up being an eight-point game, pretty tight at the end. I think they were up 31-14 to 14 or 31-17 to 17 maybe in the fourth quarter. NIU tightened it even more at the end. So maybe not quite as close as the scoreline indicated, but still close. Still, I think 14 to 14 at halftime with NIU. And there were some things there that I thought were potentially alarming. You know, if you're sitting there as a Kentucky fan or you're sitting there as a maybe alarming to you, if you're sitting there as a South Carolina fan, you're going, can the Gamecocks take advantage of this? And I do think it's possible. Now, maybe some differences in the team that we've seen against NIU or even against Ole Miss. And what we may see on Saturday, I know we'll go into that, West throughout the show and maybe with Nick in terms of injuries or who, they've get, who they're getting back, who they won't have. But I do think the past couple games are revealing that there are some possible spots for South Carolina to take advantage of in this game, with the caveat that South Carolina has some things that Kentucky can take advantage of as well. Yeah, man, I, I don't know that either team has, like, played all that great this year. I know Kentucky has had um, – Kentucky's had the 
attention of being like a top 25 and, and then a top 10 team before the loss to Ole Miss. And, uh, you know, I, I think there is talent there, obviously. And it's not going to be easy by any means for South Carolina to go in there and play. They're going to they have to play their best game of the year, I think, to win the game. I also – I don't know, man. The more I the more I look at it, I feel like this is a better matchup for South Carolina than, say, the Arkansas game was. Like I, I think you looked at the Arkansas game, and you said it's going to be a struggle to stop these guys on the ground, and then it played out exactly like that. <laughs> I think you look at the Kentucky game, and um, yes, it's they're they're going to have to stop them on the ground to win the game. Obviously, they have to slow them down. But I don't look at it as quite the kind of a bear of a uh, hurdle there um, as it is when you look at Arkansas, especially if, um, you know, let's be honest, Will Levis is a huge part of what they do on offense and is an underrated runner, in my opinion, as well. I I wonder, Chris, I'm I'm just wondering aloud, and we'll maybe ask Nick about this, how much, you know, does his health – affect his willingness um, or, or how much they would even want him to be running the football. You know, you're talking about, first of all, a hand, like, you know, finger injury, and then what is, I don't know, a foot, ankle, lower leg, whatever you want to call it, uh, reported <laughs> um, injury as well. That doesn't lend itself to the guy running around a, a whole lot. So I, I wonder how much that maybe affects what – Kentucky is able to do offensively, even if Levis does play. Yeah, I, I think you made a good point about him being an underrated runner. You know, short yardage, especially third and two, third and one, he he can get in there and kind of has a knack for pushing the pile forward, but also can move around in the pocket, out of the pocket. He, he's not KJ Jefferson. He's not going to be as hard as KJ Jefferson from Arkansas to bring down or some other. It's not going to be Stetson Bennett elusive in the open field. Uh, but he is a big guy and and has some some mobility. So, look, that's a huge thing because Kentucky, since Will Levis has gotten there, has been able to – you always think of Kentucky's identity as, you know, run the ball, play defense. But since Levis has gotten there, they have been able to lean on the pass when they've needed to. And I think, Wes, early this season, they've leaned on him, and he's good, so that's paid off. But they've probably leaned on the pass a little bit more than they've wanted to. They haven't been super dynamic running the football, which has been a difference. Now, one thing that I think has to be said, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about Levis. There's a lot of talk about the Kentucky offensive line, which I know we'll dive into later, not playing extremely well in pass protection or opening holes in the run game. You go back and look at Kentucky statistically on the ground this year, they haven't been what you expect. But I think there's a couple reasons for that. One is the O-line. I don't think they're playing that well for Kentucky. But they have also been missing Chris Rodriguez since, I mean, he he just returned for the Ole Miss game. Uh, didn't have a huge game against Ole Miss. Had 72 yards. I think he averaged 3.8 a carry. But all but 11 of those yards were after contact. So that's that means that Kentucky – it's not doing a great job blocking before contact, but it also illustrates a key point for South Carolina and probably a pain point in that um, this is a guy that can break a lot of tackles and get a lot of yards after contact, and that's been an issue this season 
South Carolina has not proved that it can it can stop the run consistently this year. Yeah, well, probably I would almost say, Chris, uh, very, very few games can you like whittle down to one key to victory. Like, you know, you can probably pick several keys in about every single football game that's ever been played and probably no different here. But, I mean, that one to me is just sitting there flashing, blinking. It's got a red flag on one side, another flag on the other, and it's just like, hey, this is this is the single biggest key to this football game. Can you get this kid on the ground when you have your chances to? And I, I, I will say this, man. I, I, it did feel like some of the Arkansas missed tackles um, were, you know, a little bit more second level, sometimes third level missed tackles. Right now, Kentucky, they're just struggling to find him room to run at all. Is the the crazy thing? So I, I think if if you can get enough guys around him, you do have a little bit better chance even against a really good back like he is, to tackle them sort of around that first level, which is the way it's been for Kentucky, man. They just have not created room for their running backs to this point. Um, you know, and as you said, it is skewed a little bit because they've been sacked so many times. But I, I think that probably lends itself to what we've talked about all year. If you can put them in third and long, we say this about every single South Carolina opponent. If you can put them in third and long, and make them throw the football, um, you know, with Kentucky, if Levis is in there, you probably feel pretty good about him and those receivers being able to make something happen. But the O-line is sort of the weakest link in that they've given up so many pressures this year. He's held on to the ball too long at times. And contrary to, to popular belief on Twitter, South Carolina has actually gotten pressure on teams at a, I, I would say, a much better clip than they've been given credit for because I think people are, have been blinded by the sack totals um, where if you go a little bit deeper or you just go with the eye test, um, I, I feel like they've actually been a, a decent pressuring defense so far this year. Yeah, they have better than again. And I, I think we could – I wish we could pull up the Nick Saban. That, that's years old, but he had a whole – I mean, he was doing the Saban hands and everything, I think. You know, he he noted that there's no statistic in the NFL, which that's not the end-all, be-all, but Saban's pretty good coach. I'll defer to him on this. Um, no, no NFL statistic that said sacks correlated to winning. What he did say is that pressure um, is – definitely something that's that's key to winning if you're if a guy's getting rid of the football too quick to where you can't sack him but you're getting pressure maybe you're forcing him into bad throws that's what you look for would you like to get some sacks absolutely you'd love to get some teams behind the chains but pressure is the important thing i mean even i mean look you saw that in the charlotte game right that's against a much lesser opponent but south carolina started getting pressure on charlotte's very experienced quarterback they're able to force three interceptions. That's what it's all about. Would you rather have three sacks, three picks? I think you take three picks. And so um, they've done a pretty good job of pressure. I, I think what you want to see is you want to see them finish more of those plays. So turn a pressure where a quarterback does make a play into a sack or into a pick or into a throwaway. Uh, when you have an opportunity for a sack, finish it. Because, I mean, you're thinking about the Arkansas game, West with K.J. Jefferson whether it's him running or whether it's him looking to throw, 
South Carolina was unable to get him on the ground the first time hardly ever. So whether it's Levis in there, whether it's their backup quarterback, Kaya Sharon, this is an area where you're going to need to get after those guys and force some mistakes. And I do think the potential is there for it, Wes. Clayton White's not afraid to send blitzes. Levis is really good at finding guys one-on-one in man coverage on third down. They've been real, pretty pretty doggone good on third down this year. But their O-line has shown some vulnerabilities, especially against the blitz. And Levis, if he does play, Levis has held on to the ball for a while too. If he's not in there, now you're going against a guy with no experience basically. Definitely, man. That'll that'll be something to watch uh, the next 24 hours and then leading into the game. What uh, What's the word on Levis's injury? And we will certainly ask uh, Nick Roush of KSR, who's going to be joining us here on the show momentarily. Uh, before we have Nick on, I want to tell you all about our friends at Liberty Tax right here in the Columbia area, 803-462-5576. Uh, if you're a small business owner or contractor, if you're frustrated by keeping up with your own bank statements or QuickBooks, uh, the tax team at Liberty Tax can handle all your bookkeeping and payroll for you. They've got QuickBooks Pro Advisors on staff. Uh, you can do what you do best and work at making money and making your business successful. They can handle the rest. Again, that's 1123 South Lake Drive in Lexington, 7467 St. Andrews Road in Irmo, and 551 St. Andrews Road in Columbia. As always, 803-462-5576. And we want to thank uh, Larry and the team there at Liberty Tax for being a supporter here of GC live Chris uh, here let me get this banner off the screen there we go um, all right I'm about to invite Nick in again y'all it could be right off the bat it could be in the next 15 minutes or so we are work I know he's got some other stuff going on working off their timeline um, this will be our first KSR guest I believe um, Very hey these guys if you, if you want to read up on Kentucky um, Chris these guys put out more content than about anybody on the planet. Like it's uh it's like story after story after story. It's pretty amazing how they even keep up at that pace. But um I would encourage everybody, man, if um you know if, if you want to read a little more about Kentucky, uh KSR, uh, Kentucky Sports Radio, um a good spot for it. Absolutely, man. That they are one of the uh best in our industry in our little corner over here of uh you know, team sites, fan sites, they do an amazing job. Like you said, tons of content. I, I'm going to ask Nick because I can, do you remember the number of, we saw it at some point because we are all on, on three networks, so to speak together. And the amount of stories they had a day, like content pieces, it pretty much, it even blew us out of the water basically. And we put out a lot we do. I feel like we do a lot of content at GamecockCentral.com, but they have a huge team. They have obviously a, a big fan base at Kentucky. Football team's been on the rise. Basketball program's always been there. They cover about everything over there, so it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, man, we we have a ton. We have more content than we've ever had before, <laughs> as far yeah. as the number. And um, they're still, still crazy. Yeah, how much they have. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what he says about what I believe is the the thing everybody wants to talk about is, you know, is Will Levis going to be available? And, um, man, as we sort of wait to him, for him to hop on, it's not just Will Levis. I mean, this is a – they're kind of going through what South Carolina 
I don't want to say South Carolina's weathered the storm, but they have weathered a part of the storm um, during that stretch where they lost Kaba, lost Strawn, and then just had several other guys that were banged up that you knew weren't going to be out for the year, man, but you knew were going to be out for a game, two games, three games, and it kind of adds up on you. It was adding up. It was affecting South Carolina's depth. It feels like Kentucky has hit that point in their season uh, right now. Yeah, and I know Nick will give us a, a firm update, but they had some guys go down against Ole Miss. Um, obviously, Levis got you know banged up in that game with the finger, and then whatever he's got going on, uh, low, lower extremity injury as as one of the ridiculous coaching injury reports would probably put it. Uh, but Jacquez Jones, Ole Miss transfer actually, who's played really well for them at linebacker, uh, even came back in that game after he was injured. I think he had a pick in that game. Uh, he sounds like he's out, um, so that's a big one. And I'm sure Nick will give us the rest of the rundown. But they're they're pretty they're pretty banged up right now. Yeah. Without further ado, let's go ahead and just bring in Nick uh, Nick Roush from Kentucky Sports Radio uh, KSR. Nick, uh, welcome to the show, man. How you doing today? Happy to be here. It's uh it's been a little chaotic over the last uh, I don't know 18 hours or so. We found out late last night that Will Levis is questionable. Uh, for this game against South Carolina. Mark Stoops is meeting with the media in about three hours, give or take. So we might know more, um, but knowing the way that Mark Stoops operates, he likes to think, keep things close to the chest. Well, and that's uh, – you're reading my mind, man. I was about to ask, um, are the injury reports in Kentucky like actual injury reports, or is it kind of just uh, eh, sometimes yes, yeah, sometimes not? I think that's the trend in college football these days is – Every now and then you get the full report. Other times you get these very vague words and you have to start kind of digging yourself and then you start hearing mixed things. And uh, injury reports are uh, are tough in college football these days, it seems. They, they really are. Um, last year, Stoops would just resort to, we'll see, whenever you ask about players. Uh, he loves that phrase, banged up. Um, <laughs> but they uh, – it, he, he does like to say that I'm pretty open when I know somebody's going to be out. So Jacquez Jones, um, he was visiting his old school Ole Miss last week, picked off a pass right before half. It's Kentucky's leading tackler. He he is likely out. Um, Stoops did at least admit that. Um, you know, if a guy's looking like he's going to be out, then that's, that's what's going to be the case. Uh, another player who he didn't get too specific on, but we've since learned will probably be out is right tackle Jeremy Flax. Kentucky's offensive line hasn't been very, very good uh, this year. And I uh, hope I didn't go out on the other things. Kind of went a little haywire on my end. But K- Kentucky's offensive line has not been great this year. Flax was starting to play well. Uh, he suffered a hamstring injury on the final drive at Ole Miss. And it looked like a cramp, but it appears that it, it might have been something worse. So, in his place, DeAndre Buford has been taking a lot of the snaps at right tackle. He hasn't ever started in a game, uh, was a former four-star player, but hasn't played a lot. Uh, and they had him at guard on the depth chart. So uh, Kentucky's offensive line hasn't been great this year, and they're not getting a lot of help on the injury front this weekend. Yeah, so Nick, thanks again for joining us. Um, to, to cover a couple of the other guys, so you, you kind of ran down what the plan would be at right tackle, but run through – Jacquez Jones, he is indeed out as it looks in this game. Obviously, Kentucky has 
DeAndre Square, who's been there forever and is and is a really good player for them. What's the plan behind Jones? How big of a drop off there? And then same for Will Levis. Obviously, we all know what Levis can do. Familiar with his game, Kentucky would presumably be turning to someone with very little experience there. But run through the drop off and, and the plan there for both of those guys. Uh Dierick Jackson is a, a thumper, right? He'll he'll be the one filling in for Jacquez Jones. Um, he's really good against the run, and he's actually made a couple nice plays in the passing game. Uh, he, he suffered an Achilles injury last spring, came back much earlier than expected, picked off a pass in the Citrus Bowl, even though he's not quite as good in pass coverage as Jones. Um, and when he got in the game last week, Kiffin got a couple – mismatches in the slot where uh, D-Jack, as they like to call him, got exposed for a couple big plays. But it, there's not a significant drop-off there at, at linebacker. Um, the the biggest, though, uh, I mean, you, you can't replace Will Levis, right? Like it, the, the guy they'll call upon, Kaya Sharon, the last time he threw a pass at Kroger Field, it was in the 2A state title game back in 2019. He's a redshirt <laughs> freshman, um, has not does, does not have any game experience whatsoever. I think the line of thinking for Kentucky fans is, A, the running game is slowly kind of improved. You're getting Chris Rodriguez back. You might be able to lean on him more. And also, for, for a lot of their talented receivers, I mean, Barry on Brown had 81 receiving yards, and it was all on screen passes. He didn't have to throw down field. So um, I, I don't think they'll be asking Sharon to, to do as much as Levis does uh, if he, in fact, has his number called Saturday night. Nick, uh, it seems like uh... – ever since Stoops has sort of gotten rolling at Kentucky, that this uh, this Kentucky defense, every year there are new guys, uh, you know, guys replace other guys, obviously. But uh, outside looking in, it ends up looking to me like the same physical defense that is just going to make you earn every yard. Uh, Marcus Satterfield, the offense coordinator here, said, you know, if you're a football purist, uh, you cannot help but respect the way Kentucky goes about their business on defense. So uh, is this, uh, as someone who sees them all the time, sees them every year, is this kind of the same Kentucky defense that we are all used to seeing, or is it a little bit different tweaks here and there? It's uh, Schematically, it's about the same. What, what In 2018, when Mark Stoops had his big breakthrough year, Josh Allen was a one-man wrecking crew. Um, but for the most part, Kentucky doesn't get a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. Uh, they just don't. Uh, they've recruited big guys. Uh, to stop the run, Deion Walker is is the guy that everybody loves to fawn over. True freshman from Detroit, who's built like Jordan Davis. He he he's been great. Um, but really, what it comes down to, it's it's stopping the run and then keeping everything in front of you, right? Limiting big plays. Uh, you know, Ole Miss popped a few uh, big runs in that first half last week, but they only kicked a field goal in the second half after falling down fourteen nothing. Um, this secondary has been greatly improved. Uh, they did it in the transfer portal by getting Keijan Smith at cornerback. He recovered a fumble in week one, had a pick six against Anthony Richardson in Florida in week two. Uh, the secondary's been great. They got a ton of PBUs, but they haven't produced as many. They're getting hands on balls, but they aren't picking off as many passes. I think that's kind of the goal moving forward is, is to make some of those interceptable balls actual interceptions. So uh, while you know they might put a little pressure on Spencer Rattler, uh, it, they, they haven't taken many guys to the ground uh, th this season in the backfield. To, to jump back to offense, Nick, you mentioned the return of Chris Rodriguez recently. Now, my thought is that 
Kentucky statistically has not been as good as you would expect through their first four games on the ground, offensive line personnel, but Rodriguez is back. Um, I think PFF had him out of his 72 yards last week. I think all but 11 were after contact. So what you would expect from Chris Rodriguez, tough physical runner. Um, to that extent, I've kind of felt like the demise or people writing off Kentucky's run game maybe a little premature. How much different is this rushing attack? How much better is it with Chris Rodriguez back in the fold? It's it's really night and day, and you saw it on a – it was a fourth and one. They call Chris Rodriguez's number, and he gets hit either at the line of scrimmage or right at the line of gain, and he just leans forward. He makes a lot of those runs that were you – know, might be a tackle for loss or only a two- or three-yard gain, uh, a seven- or eight-yard gain. Uh, he can make a significant difference in this rushing attack. And, you know, last week it was a lot about – kicking the rust off for Rodriguez. He, he, he was like, you know, I, I trained real hard, but you can't prepare for that that game wear and tear um, when you're back there getting carry. So uh, each week, if uh, the, the if you look up just like rushing stats on college football, stats, like they're not great because Kentucky's given up so many sacks, uh, a ton. That sack yardage takes away. If you take away that sack yardage, each week it's incrementally gotten better and better, 140 mm-hmm non-sack rushing yards against Ole Miss. And uh, I I anticipate them to improve on that even more uh, this week if there isn't a significant drop-off at right tackle. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, here at South Carolina. They got a kid, Corey Rucker, missed the entire season as well. He goes out there, um, you know, is running routes, like ran a couple routes, and he was just like, man, I am, I am dog-tired. Like, it's just – it's different being out there, I'm sure, in a game – in you know in the heat in full pads than it is just going out to practice so it'll be interesting to watch Rodriguez for for Kentucky how he comes along and against a Mm -hmm. South Carolina defense that has struggled to stop the run so you kind of have one side you know Kentucky's O-line hasn't played up necessarily to what you normally expect from them South Carolina's defense struggled to stop the run at times uh from our perspective that's got to be a massive key to this game uh Nick are are y'all in agreement with that over there as well Oh, definitely, and I, it 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 does feel like that this will try to be a classic Mark Stoops game, um, even though Kentucky has the upper hand in the series, won seven of the last eight. Like Almost all of those games have been within one or two scores um, for the entire time, and I feel like Mark Stoops is going to try to grind it out again by, by pounding the rock. You, you were seeing a vintage kind of Kentucky football drive um, mm-hmm. before Will Levis fumbled uh, the ball. Uh, with three minutes ago last week at Ole Miss, where they got the ball with nine minutes left and were just methodically grinding the the clock out, moving the chains. I have a feeling you're going to see a lot of this. Uh, Rich Scangarello said this week, the new Kentucky offense coordinator, that it usually takes four or five weeks to, to really get the offensive line click. And not only do they have to replace three guys um, from last year's team, but, you know, there is some new scheme. There's some new adjustment. Uh, mm-hmm. And under Liam Cohen, it really – the offense really, it showed flashes here and there. It didn't become consistent and efficient until week six against LSU. Well, we're, we made it to week six again this year. Skangarell is confident this this rushing attack can can get back on track against South Carolina. Yeah, that, that leads to maybe to my next question. What are the differences you have seen? I know obviously it is still a pro-style deal. It seems outside looking in to be pretty similar to what Kentucky was trying to do 
last year, just like structurally. Where, are there some big differences you've noticed from the new offensive scheme or big picture-wise, is it kind of similar to what Kentucky was doing under Liam Cohen? You know, I, I think the biggest thing, and this is kind of what Rodriguez says, it's like instead of the run setting up the pass to Wondell Robinson, it's kind of been the opposite, where you've got the pass setting up the run with explosive playmakers like Barry and Brown, Dane Key, and Tavion Robinson. Um, the other thing is just that Will Levis is not running the ball like he did a year ago, and, yeah. and they're not moving him. They're not rolling him out in the pocket. Um, they want him to stay back there, hang in there, and deliver darts through traffic. So um, th those are the two biggest ones. But, you know, that might all go out the window depending on Levis's health. So uh, th that's that's where I'm seeing it as of today. But that can all change if you don't have quarterback one in there against South Carolina. Definitely. It uh, should be a very, very interesting, intriguing game. A big game for both sides. Uh, Nick, we appreciate the time, man. Uh, any Anything else we didn't cover that you think uh, needs to be said about this contest before we let you go? One player I almost forgot about from the injury front because he hasn't played in a couple of weeks, J.J. Weaver, um, arguably Kentucky's most talented outside linebacker, probably their top defensive draftable prospect. He jacked his elbow up against Youngstown State. He's only played in two games this year. He's He said last week he wants to be playing in this game Saturday night. And he can be a difference maker uh, outside on the edge, especially in tackles for a loss um, against the run game. He's really good against the run. Um, so th that that's where you could see uh, Marshawn Lloyd maybe get bottled up a little bit if Kentucky can play more traditional 3-4 with Weaver and Jordan Wright in for the Kentucky defense. Nick, uh, great stuff again, man. We appreciate you taking the time. Um, we'll talk to you soon. And I, I guess I'll talk to you here in a second uh, when we do your uh, the Kentucky side of the game as well. All right, appreciate it. All right, thanks, Nick. Uh, again, that's Nick Roush, uh, Kentucky Sports Radio. Go check them out, KSR, uh, part of the On3 network. And um, I, I tell you, Chris, when uh, we always, when we have our guests on, then we let them go, we say, all right, what did we learn? Um, the very first things out of his mouth was a very long injury report, which is, you know, kind of what we were just talking about. That has quickly become – Strangely, like the top storyline around this game, at least right now on Thursday. Yeah, it is. And I don't know, man, uh, South Carolina fans are probably sitting there going, you know, it's kind of nice to be on the other side of <laughs> having a bunch of guys. It has happened a lot over the last several years. So many games that South Carolina has gone in just at a complete injury disadvantage, to be quite frank. Conversely, now, you know, you feel pretty good. I mean, you've got – Darius Rush practice last week, got the chance of having David Spalding available. Dylan Wanham did some stuff in practice last week. South Carolina's rash of injuries in the secondary has kind of slowly over the past couple few weeks gotten a lot better. So that picture is much better for them. And, and there's no doubt. I mean, Will Levis, no matter what where you fall on the how good is he scale, you might think he's great. You might think he's just good, pretty good, whatever you may think, anywhere in between. He is a difference maker player for the Kentucky offense. And certainly in this game, the drop off between him, if he can't play Wes, you know, Scangarello, Mark Stoops, your, your game plan has to be altered as a coaching staff. You can't do everything that you could do if QB1 is in there. So now 
they could literally it, it could be anybody at quarterback and you're still sitting there South Carolina's defensive staff is still going to be sitting there worried about the run game and I do think again I, I feel pretty strongly about this don't write off Kentucky's run game because they haven't been great on the O-line this year or looking at the stats are they as good as they have been the past few years maybe not but Rodriguez is back and I think we've seen enough from the South Carolina defense this year negatively in the run game to make it still a concern. Yeah, and I think this is – I believe I said this earlier this week, man. And at some point, you can't really use it as an excuse anymore. Um, not that I'm even trying to make it an excuse, but the lack of, of having Mo Kaba in there, I think this is a game where just his pure size and, and the physicality, I believe we were going to see him – bring to the game this year we didn't really get to see enough of him to like actually see it kind of play out the way I think it was going to but uh, I think this is a game where if you're Carolina you miss 32 dearly uh, because I I think this would have been a a big opportunity for him probably meeting Rodriguez in the hole uh, several times if if we were in another reality and and he hadn't been lost for the year so uh, it will be a massive game I think for Brad Johnson Sherrod Green for those backups too, man, for Debo Williams, Stone Blanton, uh, Bam, uh, Martin Scott coming along. I, that's something we haven't talked about on the show. Eyeball test, Bam Martin Scott has been very, very good in his limited reps. Uh, mm-hmm. PFF, incredibly high on what Bam Martin Scott has done. Again, the limited reps, you have to take that into account. It's a small sample size. And a lot of times, man, when a guy flashes a bunch to us, like naked eye, but doesn't play as much, it normally comes down to like, all right, the guys in front of him maybe understand what they're being asked to do a bit more. They're in the in the proper gaps. They're using the proper techniques more often. The things coaches know and know to look for. But in terms of like going out there and running to the football – I look at Bam Martin Scott, and you're kind of like, all right, there's a place for this guy to help this football team. Possibly more than we've seen so far. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, I could buy it. I mean, he's he's a long kid who can run. I mean, he almost looks like – like if you put more weight on him, he looks more like a defensive end almost. You know, now he, he doesn't right now because he's still linebacker size, but he's got long arms. Um he can give you something in coverage because he is kind of a bigger presence out there. We saw that against SC state with the pick that he had. Um, he can run, he can be an asset blitzing. He had a, a pressure against Charlotte that helped lead to a bad throw and ultimately an interception. So you're right. Small sample size. I mean, I think even if you watch him in the limited time that he has had his limited snaps, I think you could see some things there that, okay, that, that needs to be cleaned up, but just from a physical standpoint, he has it, and so if he keeps coming on, that that would definitely be an, an asset to this team. Yeah, and, and certainly a guy who um, has shown they can help this team on special teams, and and I think you're kind of seeing his role grow a little bit on uh, on defense. We'll see if that continues. Man, I, I look at this as a game where not that we go into – analytics a ton or like the super advanced stats not that this one necessarily is this is not one of those where it's like 
some just mumbo jumbo. You don't even know what it means. But I, uh, interestingly enough, was looking at KSR, the Kentucky site, and their scouting report for South Carolina. And they had they have a great statistical breakdown. One of the stats that they have listed here for South Carolina's defense is the success rate allowed. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this on the 107.5 show. Um, even Preston Thorne, who is very much anti-analytics, um, <laughs> really likes success rate. And basically success rate is sort of like, all right, was that statistically a successful play based on the down and distance? Um, so, like, first down, and I, I don't even want to say this wrong. I should know exactly what it is. I believe first down, it's like, uh, do you get five yards? Um, second down, uh, do you cut it in half, I guess? Third down, do you make the first down? And um, so, point being, success rate is the mathematical representation of are you staying on schedule, basically. That's all it is. Offensively, mm -hmm. are you staying on schedule? Defensively, are you keeping them off schedule? And for as much as we have talked this season, Chris, about can South Carolina's defense keep an opponent off schedule to force them to throw the football on third down and against the really good teams they've played um, or even just the good teams they've played with Arkansas and then, of course, Georgia, they were not able to do that. Point being – South Carolina's success rate allowed on defense, even with the cupcakes they have played in there, 46.1%. If you want context on that, that's number 117 in the country. So when you look at this game and you look at everything we've talked about, South Carolina inability to stop the run, Kentucky inability to run the football, the addition of Chris Rodriguez this past week back to their offense, the – fact that Will Levis, even if he plays, is not going to be 100%. You can probably dial it down to that particular stat. If Kentucky is still able to stay on schedule, run the football, put whoever is at quarterback in these easy, makeable situations, they're going to make easy throws to the speed they have at wide receiver, and they'll probably win the game. Yeah. If it's second and nine, third and seven – South Carolina is going to pull the upset. Like, I, I think it it quite literally could come down to that very specific thing when you look at these two teams. Because I like Nick, I like Nick's point. This feels like a Stoops just grind it out. It doesn't matter if it's not pretty. Just going to find a way to win the game from a Kentucky standpoint. Yeah, and then attached to that, Wes, if, if Kentucky – is having a lot of success getting to third and short or running the ball on two downs and getting another first down and moving the chains. It's going to limit South Carolina's possessions offensively. And that, especially if Levis doesn't play, that is precisely what Kentucky wants. So to attach to that, critical in this game, I think, for South Carolina to do what we have talked about, I think, every week since last year, and that is get off to a faster start. And that's offense and defense. But South Carolina doesn't need to go to the locker room in this game with three points or a touchdown. You know, you, you don't want to see that. They need to get off to a faster start offensively 
and actually put some pressure on Kentucky's offense to produce. I Again, I've, I've said it on the show multiple times. I still think, despite the fact that Kentucky's probably not going to have their right tackle, I think with Rodriguez, uh, with Cavassier Smoke, I think they're going to still cause some issues in the run game because, again, some of these things that we've seen have not been just Arkansas or Georgia things that have been issues in the run game for South Carolina. We've seen it sometimes as smaller sample sizes um, or less plays, uh, and they don't show up as much because of how South Carolina won its past two games. But we've seen it in every game. There hasn't been one game where you go, wow, South Carolina really did an amazing job, an outstanding job stopping the run. That's what Kentucky wants to do, and it's going to be a challenge with Rodriguez. Definitely, man. Uh, Craig making the point, uh, please play Tonka at the end opposite Birch. Um, I agree. I think this is a game where you do maybe have to look at some different personnel and just play the matchup. Um, you know, that ne- doesn't necessarily mean always, hey, this player is better than that player. It could be specifically better for this game. This guy is better for this team, better for this uh, specific matchup and with what they want to do offensively. And uh, I agree, either Tonka at end, playing some true, you know, 5-2 or 3-4, whatever you want to call it. Um, it. It looks very similar. It's more semantics than anything. But, you know, getting an extra uh, linebacker on the field or an extra defensive lineman on the field, I think you're going to see a lot of safety in the box, basically. You know, is Eamon Worry in the box all game? Um, you're going to have to do those things, I think, if you're South Carolina, if you're going to win this one. Uh, so be a very, very interesting game. And I, I think, you know, Ve- Vegas has tightened this thing up. Uh, we saw last night the line dropping quite a bit. And um, I, I really think that's what we're in store for. Grinded out, low-scoring matchup, and um, maybe a turnover being the difference or a late drive. Um, you know, somebody just grinded it out at the end and finding a way to win. Or or maybe in, if you're South Carolina, I think you actually like your chances on this. If it comes down to a field goal, um, <laughs> Kentucky has had some operation – problems on special teams South Carolina obviously replacing uh Parker White has been pretty good uh really good at kicking field goals had their own share of uh snapping issues in uh the field goal slash PA team game as well um all right y'all we got one more show to do this week so we won't uh continue on and on we got one more hour's worth of content um appreciate all of our guests for joining us Tomorrow, again, a 1 o'clock show, as we do most Fridays. We'll be live from the Market on Main, on Main Street in Columbia, South Carolina. If you want to come out, again, 1 to 2 tomorrow. Uh, Chris, you got anything else, man, or are you going to push it on forward to tomorrow? I have several thoughts, but we're going to hold them until tomorrow so that we can uh, fill out tomorrow's show. Definitely. Uh, All right, he's Chris Clark. I'm Wes Mitchell. Thank you to all of our guests, and thank you to everyone who has joined, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, or the podcast platforms. We're on all of them, basically. Uh, We appreciate you, and we'll see you all on Friday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.